Amen. <clears throat> well, praise the Lord. Let's go ahead and pray and get started with tonight's Bible study. Father, we bless you for this opportunity to get into your word on this evening. We pray, Lord, let revelation knowledge flow freely, unchecked and uninterrupted by any satanic or demonic force. I pray, Lord, that you would indeed speak through my vocal cords, think through my mind, enemy, and all of you. We thank you, Lord, for a word in due season. We give you praise for everything that you'll do. We thank you for the gifts of the Spirit to be in operation and manifestation. We'll be careful to give you all the praise and all the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone did say amen. Let's make this confession of our faith. Say, Father, I've come to receive revelation, wisdom, and understanding from your holy word. And I fully expect the Holy Spirit to bear witness with my spirit concerning revelation of the word and how to apply it in my life on a daily basis. I'm a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Therefore, I am a fruitful believer. Everyone said, good morning, good evening, amen, good evening. All right, all right. We've been talking for the last little while from the subject of a discerning heart, a discerning heart. And this past Sunday, we took what I would define, I guess, as a little bit of a supplement in looking at the significance of that discerning heart having a component of hope or expectancy within it. We're going to kind of bridge back into, well, we'll see where this goes. Amen. Uh, I have a lot here and uh, uh, looking at my clock as well. We'll see how much we have time for this evening. Amen. First John chapter number one. First John chapter number one. Let's begin here and uh, we'll take off from this point. First John chapter number one. First uh, John chapter uh, one and verse number five. So a discerning heart has to have a heart that is full, if you will, of the light of God. It is a heart that is in communion with God. First John chapter number one and verse number five says, this then is the message which we heard of him. And declare unto you that God is light. God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. God is light. He is light. Everything about God is light. It is not classified in this area of darkness. There is no darkness of God. You remember in James he talks about every good and perfect gift comes down from the father of light. Everything about God is light. I was listening to an old teaching that I, I did uh, I guess about a year ago if not two years ago in regards to uh, spiritual gifts and, and counterfeits. Y'all remember that series? And one of the things that struck me about it was how much so that that the enemy clothes themselves in this area of I have secret knowledge, this secret revelation. Whereas God says, you come to me, I'll I, I, I show you. Everything about God is light. Second Corinthians chapter number four says this, in whom the God of this world, little g, God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of his glorious gospel of Christ, of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. 
those that don't walk in the light, or in other words, as, as the scripture says here, that the devil literally has blinded the minds of those who believe not. Sometimes you look at them like, man, you don't see this? It's because they are walking in this area of darkness. Spiritual blindness, if you will, is of the devil. Spiritual blindness is of the devil. And that's one of the things when you're praying for people, that's one of the things you need to pray for them, that they would see it, that the light of truth would reign in their life. For Christians, that revelation knowledge, revealed knowledge would be displayed within the illumination of the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> now look at this over here in 1 John chapter number 5. 1 John chapter number 5. And that's also inclusive when we're talking about Christians is that we, we know the Bible tells us that God is not the God of confusion. Confusion, ignorance is not of God. God wants you to have some knowledge. He wants you to have some growth. He says over here in first, uh, first John chapter number five, out of the Amplifier, verse number 18, he says, we know with confidence that anyone born of God does not habitually sin. Now, I, that's why I read it out of this translation. Anyone that's born of God does not habitually sin. Now, one of the things about being born again is that everybody can say they're born again, right? Only really you know what's in your heart, whether or not that conversion really took place. But one of the things the Bible tells us that it says we can say with confidence that anyone that's born of God doesn't habitually. The Amplified says habitually, you know, do this on a routine basis. I know when we see people that claim to be Christians and they don't have issues where sin is concerned, we have to ask questions, did you really get born again? Because the day you get born again, born again the Holy Spirit now, he joins and unites in your spirit, creating a new creation in Christ Jesus. And he's going, that means that when you sin, you're going to have somebody saying, what are you doing? It's going to be uncomfortable in sin. He says, God does not, or is born of God, does not habitually sin. But he, Jesus, who was born of God, carefully, carefully keeps and protects him. And the, uh, and the evil one does not touch him. So the one that's born of God or born of God, he says, Jesus, who was born of God, carefully keeps and protects him. And the evil one does not touch him. We know, he says, verse number 19, for a fact that we are of God and that the whole world around us lies in the power of the evil one opposing God and his precepts. And we have seen verse 20 and have seen and know by personal experience that Jesus, the son of God, has actually come into this world and has given this is where we're getting to and has given us understanding and insight to insight so that we may progressively and personally know him. So God gives us insight. He gives us understanding so we can progressively and personally know him who is true. And we are in him who is true in his son, Jesus Christ. This is true God and uh, eternal life. Third thing we need to understand uh, again is that grace and peace, according to Second Peter's first chapter uh, one and verse number two, says it's multiplied through a knowledge of God. Now, all of this becomes important when we're talking about in terms of discernment, because we've been talking about it from the standpoint of spiritual maturity. 
spiritual maturity, growing up and moving into the position where God is able to disclose information to you. He's able to disclose understanding to you. He's able to allow you to grasp and comprehend that which is obscure. You're able to lay hold or, or discernment is also defined as the act of perceiving. Now, I said all of this for a purpose because Proverbs chapter number four, let's look there. And this is where we're going to jump off from where we basically left off on Sunday. Proverbs chapter number four says something distinct. Because if my heart opened to God to receive understanding, understanding and revelation, then the condition of my heart must be something that's vitally important for me to understand. Notice what he says once again in Proverbs chapter number four and verse 23. Scripture says this out of the King James. Keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Now, the scripture does not say God shall keep thy heart. That is not there. It says keep thy heart with all diligence. Diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. The Amplified says watch over your heart with all diligence. For from it flows the, flow the springs of life. Passion translation. To break this out a little bit further says. So above all guard the affections of your heart. For they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being. For from there flows the wellspring of life. Keeping your heart with all diligence is not something that God does. It's something that you do. And the reason why you have to make sure that you watch over What's going in and out of your heart is because it's what allows you to operate in this area of discernment. When a person gets, or particularly, let me just be very specific, when a Christian moves from the place of hope into an area of despair, they move from the place of light into a place of darkness. And when they move from a place of light into darkness, then your discerning of the environment begins to decrease. Because here you are, now you, you begin to act just as carnal as everybody in the environment. Very much so. So, it's not a God thing, it's a me thing. I got to make sure I watch for the welfare of my heart. If I want to have a discerning heart, then I have to make sure that I am not allowing my heart to get to a position where it becomes dark. Uh, let's look over uh, literally where we left off over in Matthew. Matthew chapter number six. The condition of my heart, therefore, determines the discerning condition or your, con your discerning condition. Your heart condition determines your discerning condition. Matthew chapter number six. Matthew chapter number six. The scripture, this is Jesus speaking. He says, lay not up for yourself treasure upon the earth where moth or rust does corrupt or where thieves break in through and steal. He says, don't lay your treasures. Now, we've said in the past and we'll say again tonight that what is a treasure? Something that's valued, particularly something that you value. 
The reason why in this country and throughout the world, you know, people just about will kill each other for gold is because we place a value on that rock as opposed to maybe uh, a limestone. <laughs> it's a different value. Mm-hmm. No, they, yeah, yeah, Black Bear really did exist on the coast of North Carolina. Absolutely. But a treasure ultimately is exactly that. It is something that you value. So Jesus says, lay not up for yourself value or value system upon the earth where moth or rust does corrupt. In other words, where the natural environment can corrode or change it. Where thieves can break in. Don't place your value systems in a position or on things that can easily be taken from you. He says, verse 20, but lay up for yourself treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust does corrupt and where thieves do not break in uh, through or still through still. He says, for your treasure, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So he says, your treasure or your values determine the location of my heart. What I value determines the location of my heart. Now, a lot of people say they value God, but we can look and see that that. Your heart is nowhere near it. <laughs> All right. Now, <clears throat> notice how he continues on. This is Jesus speaking again, and he continues on in verse number twenty-two. He says, "The light of the, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be, notice the word single, single. Well, the opposite of the word single is double." Double, double vision, double minded. He said, if your eye is single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Dare I say, if your eyes is not single or it is double, then your whole body is not going to be full of light. It's going to be partial of light. That's part of the reason why, you know, people that half serve God, you know, a little bit today, a little bit tomorrow. Half commitment to God, a little bit today, a little bit tomorrow. Their, their body, everything about them is not full of light because there's half commitment. He says, he says, verse number 23, but if thine eye be full, be, uh, if thy eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, great, how great is that darkness. The word eye there comes from a Greek word which literally means the faculty of knowing. The faculty of knowing. Sight and vision, but the faculty of knowing. And I think the Amplified really breaks this passage of scripture out uh, very good. It says, the eye is, or we could say the faculty of knowing is the lamp of the body. And if your eye is clear, spiritually perceptive, your whole body will be full of light, benefiting from God's precepts. Now, just a second ago, he said that you need to lay a value system on the things of God and not the things of this world. He says when you lay a value system on the things of God and not the things of this world, then he also is equating this in verse number 22, then you have singleness of vision that your faculty of knowing is open and perceptive to the things of God, and you will understand that God's word and God's precepts are beneficial for you, right? Verse 23 says, but if your eye is bad, spiritually blind, 
spiritually blind, your whole body will be full of darkness, devoid of God's precepts. So if the very light inside of you, your inner self, your heart, your conscience is darkness, how great and terrible is that darkness. So once again, when we're looking at this in terms of having a discerning heart, I got to keep my heart with all diligence is because it allows me to stay in the position where my heart can be a discerning heart. When you move into areas of despair, when you move into areas where you are moving outside of this position of faith, then everything you all you see is the same thing that carnal people see my limitations, my lack, all of these other things. But when I allow my value of my heart to stay in the position of treasuring the things of God, when I allow my vision or my knowledge of God to be the thing that guides me through life, then it allows me to be in a position where my heart can be discerning. God says, you ain't without resources, girl. What are you talking about? Lord, don't you see? He said, yeah, but I need you to come up higher and see from this position of understanding that I said I will supply all of your needs according to riches and glory. I said I will take care of everything that you are lacking. Knowledge and spiritual understanding. Ephesians chapter number one. Let's take a look at this. Ephesians chapter number one. <clears throat> As I get ready to close. Ephesians chapter number one. Notice this. This is Paul's prayer. Notice how the word says this verse number 18 scripture says this wherefore I also after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints so he's talking to the church at edifice but we can we can extrapolate this also for our lives and we can extrapolate this for people that particularly believers that we're praying for he says when i heard about your faith so he said the faith that you have is already in place and your love for all the saints or we can say your love for the things of god right he says, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So he says, since I heard about your coming to faith, since I heard, dare I say, because of the context of what we've been talking about, since I've heard about the fact that you've now placed a value in the things of God, I haven't stopped praying for you. He says, making mention of you in my prayers. He says, notice what he's praying. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, watch this, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. What is that? Light. That he may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And then Paul says something here in his prayers as well. He says that, notice he says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So he says, first and foremost, he says, I'm praying that God would give you wisdom and revealed knowledge. That's what we can pray for every believer. That's why I pray for the members here, that God will give you wisdom and revelation. Wisdom and revelation, because God doesn't want you out here walking, trying to figure out you, you don't know nothing. You don't know what season you're in. You don't know what God is doing. No, no. God give them wisdom and revelation and that the eyes of your understanding 
the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened that you may know the hope of notice he says his calling so that you would know what your purpose is in life and the richness of the glory of the inheritance of the same and that you would understand and see the promises of God that are available for you this is what Paul is essentially praying here Amplify says this I pray that the eyes of your heart the very center and core of your being may be enlightened flooded with the light by the Holy Spirit so that you will know and cherish the hope the divine guarantees the confident expectation what is that hope to which he has called you in the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints God's people so he says I'm praying that the eyes of your understanding one of the things you'll you'll notice if you study out the Pauline letters is how many times he used the term that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened that the eyes of your understanding and I think it's important that we understand that that Paul prays this because Paul knows what it's like to think you understand something you really don't understand nothing now he had zeal for God without understanding and he literally had to be uh, confronted by Jesus on a Damascus road and the Bible characterizes this as light why do we see that because God is light God doesn't have us walk in darkness God doesn't have you walk in confusion the condition of my heart and and making sure that my heart stays in this position of of being a functioning heart that is open to God and having a discerning heart has everything to do with my fellowship with God so that I can walk in the light. Walk in the light as he is in the light. Your heart has eyes. Your knowledge, what you understand, if you will. Spiritual knowledge is illumination amidst darkness. Spiritual knowledge is, uh, is illumination amidst darkness. So, we said on Sunday, again, hope is the aspiration of the good. Hope is an expectation or confidence. So, the difference between this type of heart that is open and walking in the light of the things of God, flooded with the light of the Holy Spirit, is this other heart, which we find over in Proverbs 13 and verse number 12. He says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when desire cometh, it's a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. When your heart is sick, you are not going to have a discerning heart. You ain't been around Christians and like they don't see nothing. Well, look at what's going on with them on the inside of their heart. <laughs> you ain't sensitive to nothing at all. None, nothing. What's going on with them? Has their heart been clouded with areas of pride? Has their heart been clouded with area of wickedness or twistedness? Has their heart been clouded with other areas of just basically operating in carnality? This will keep you from being a discerning Christian. He said, "Well, you don't, you don't see nothing. Dog gone." <laughs> Hopelessness. Hopelessness is a cancer of the soul. Let's look over here as we get ready to close, I guess, for this evening. Over in Romans chapter number <clears throat> Romans chapter number seven. 
Romans chapter number seven. A Christian without hope is a Christian lacking in discernment. A Christian without hope is a Christian lacking in discernment. It's one of the reasons why Christians cut each other down and they stab each other in the back because you don't really have any hope that God going to do anything for you. <laughs> and so therefore, you can't rejoice. You don't have a discerning heart at all because I don't really believe unless, unless I take you out, it's not going to work for me. <laughs> Now, uh, Romans chapter number seven. Notice this. Let's look at uh, let's look at verse number twenty-two. Verse twenty-two says, "For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Well, what inward man? The man has been renewed by the Holy Spirit." I delight in the things of God after the inward man. Your spirit is always in agreement with God. Always in agreement with God because the Holy Spirit lives and resides on the inside of you. You've been made a new creation in Christ Jesus. The issue usually is not found there. It's found in this other. He says, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringeth me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. So he says there is another law at work and it's this law that's in my mind or as Galatians refers to it, it is this this yielding or this fleshiness. I've got to make a choice. Whether or not I'm going to yield to my spirit or yield to my flesh. The goal here is that as the scripture goes on and as you flip over, he talks about varying things and how we've been made free in chapter 8. As we get to chapter 12, he talks about be renewed. Present your body to God holy as sacrifice so that you can also don't be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What is he saying? I want you to get to the position where your mind begins to work in concert with your spirit. We've talked about the heart of a man. The heart of a man is the center of a man. Well, what is the center of a man? The center of a man is his spirit and his soul. His spirit and his soul. That is what encompasses the heart of a man. The spirit and the soul go together like the wet and the water. For speaking purposes, teaching purposes, we talk about it and we extrapolate, we say, all right, the spirit and the soul. But truly, they go hand in glove. That's what creates the heart. Notice what he says over in 1 Thessalonians Chapter number five, he says, and, very, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice he says, whole spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit and your soul are connected. The day you get born again, your spirit, which was disconnected from God, now the Holy Ghost moves on the inside and it becomes alive to God. I've used the term before. It's like it, you were created just like a computer. In this illustration, a computer today is created with an antenna. But that antenna usually is turned off until you turn it on. Well, the day you turn that antenna on, now you have access to the Wi-Fi that might have already been in the building. It allows for the illumination of light 
for that computer to work the way it was properly designed to work. Now, if we use this analogy and take it out further, you are always created with certain functions. And if you get, let's, let's use a Mac, because you know, I'm, I'm more of a Mac man, right? You get a Mac computer. That computer is created to do certain things. It can function. It can operate. It can compute. There are all kinds of things it can do without Wi-Fi. But when you turn the Wi-Fi on, it allows for it to actually function to the height of its capacity. Certain applications function better because the Wi-Fi is flowing on the inside of it. Certain things you're able to pull up and pull this up and pull that up because the Wi-Fi is on. The day you get born again, it's like that Wi-Fi coming in on the inside of you. Now you have access to all kind of things that you did not before. Now the question is whether or not you're going to understand, all right, this is now, this application works this way because the Wi-Fi or the internet's working through it. This works this way because the internet's working through it. But you, but in your mind, if you're looking at it, you're like, wait, 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 though. Computer used to work just fine <laughs> before. You don't get the benefit of it because you want the computer to work the way it used to when no, it was designed to work on this level and you want it to work on that level. This is the process or the struggle. You were created to operate on this level. And the issue is your mind sometimes is fighting against you. And God says, I need you to renew that sucker so that it comes into line so that it can all flow together. Does that make sense? I hope it does. <laughs> your mind was created by God to flow in concert with your spirit, not in opposition. The process of getting your mind to flow in concert with your spirit is exactly that. It's a process. It takes time. It takes renewing so that the Holy Spirit on the inside of you is telling you go this way. Your mind's telling you another thing. Now getting your mind to submit so that you can stop fighting it is a process. And when you get to the position when your mind, where you finally are starting to develop and transform your thinking, then what begins to happen is your spirit is telling you this and you have this knowledge over here. And then the Holy Spirit is flowing so that you understand how he showed you this, how he showed you that cognitively and how it all fits together. That's the goal here. This produces the discernment that God wants us to operate in. I am out of time. I hope you got something out of tonight's short Bible study. <laughs> Amen. Well, we will pick up here on Sunday. We will pick up here on Sunday. Because we're going to go back into talking about exercise, 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 exercise. Because you were created as a spirit. You have a soul. See, there are no spiritual defects within any born-again believer. Man, there are none. I don't, I don't care what condition you were born in. When you are born again, spiritually, everybody has the same spiritual condition. The issue is that soulless man. Everybody comes from a different situation where the mind, the will, and their emotions are concerned. Some of us, maybe you grew up in a Christian home, so you, you have some spiritual knowledge, and now you can fit it all together easily. Some other folks, not so much. Your soulish part of you is the part of you that God is working on to get it back in line with your spirit. 
And of course, your body will do whatever your soul, in fact, dictates. <laughs> your soul say, I don't go to the gym today. Well, you won't. Your soul says, I don't want to read the body today. I really read the Bible today. Well, it won't. You know, David says something very distinct. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. You can show up at church, you ain't in the mood, but you have to say, no, I'm going to praise God. My, everything in me says, I don't feel like it. Well, I don't allow my feelings to dictate. I allow my spirit man to dictate. My spirit is always willing to praise and bless God. And I flow with my spirit, which connected to the Holy Spirit, instead of resisting and flowing with this other law in my flesh. This is the goal. This is the rub. When you begin doing these things, it allows you to become more spiritually sensitive to the environment that God set you in. All right. Father, in the authority of the name of Jesus, God, we bless you for this opportunity to have gotten into your word on this evening. Lord, we just thank you that you will continue to train us and develop us. We thank you, Lord, for greater discernment, greater discernment. Greater perception, dare I say, greater reception. And we give you praise and we give you glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone to say amen. I want to admonish you once more again. If you are in the greater Charlotte Gastonia area, praise the Lord. We have a marriage and single seminar that is coming up. A marriage and single seminar that's coming up on February the 10th here at the Training Center Family Church. Located at 1314 West 2nd Avenue here in Gastonia, North Carolina. All you have to do is RSVP so we can know that you're coming. But bless God at this point, if you just want to come, come on, be blessed. We, we're going to have two powerful workshops, one beginning at 10 a.m. Uh, for our married couples. If you are married, bless God, if you are looking to get married, like you're engaged or, or something like that, we would admonish you to come and be a part of this marriage workshop. Following that at 11 o'clock, we have our singles uh, uh, workshop, which is taught by Dr. Smith. That will begin uh, directly following our marriage workshop at 10 o'clock. It's going to be a powerful word, and I believe it will be a blessing to you. Both sessions will be streamed on Facebook and maybe even YouTube. Maybe, maybe we'll see. Praise the Lord. But I know it will definitely be on Facebook. Amen. On uh, February the 10th. So once again, we would admonish you. Come on, be blessed. Doesn't matter what church you go to per se. You know, this is not necessarily uh, a singularly uh uh, TTC church event per se. We just want to be a blessing uh, to the body of Christ, to the community, and look at these areas where the Word of God declares certain things regarding marriage and singleness. Amen. Praise the Lord. Once again, February the 10th, beginning at 10 o'clock. God bless you. We'll see you back here on Sunday. Amen. <laughs>